Yes. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم وعنده مفاتح الغيب لا يعلمها إلا هو ويعلم ما في البر والبحر كما تسقط من ورقة إلا يعلمها ولا حبة في ظلمات الأرض ولا ركب ولا يابس إلا في كتاب مبين. When we began talking about the signs of the end of time, I mentioned that typically the ulama say uh, that there are the small signs, and the small signs we talked about last time, which are the signs that emerge with the the ba'tha, with the nabuwa of the Prophet and ended within the first generation. So the last of the Sahaba, basically the first hundred years. So those are signs that happened only in that time. And those are considered the minor signs. And then there are the middle signs. And we talked last time about how the ulama counted them to be over 70 to 70, 75. And the majority of those signs are moral corruption. That there'll be a lot of lying, that there'll be no knowledge, that people will drink alcohol, they'll call it by different things, etc. etc. And there are some of those signs that are simply signs, like the building of tall buildings, music, etc. And I, we talked a little bit about how the automat demarcated that the, the moral signs, those are things that are obviously haram, but the things that are simply signs are not in themselves haram. Building tall buildings are not, is not in itself haram because of the hadith. And music is not in itself haram because of the hadith, etc. And we ended a little bit, maybe abruptly, and that's why I want to pick up. We talked about the significance of the collapse of the caliphate. And now in the 1920s, we lost this position of the Khalifa. At the time, it was the Ottoman Khalifa. And now it was really a unique time in Islamic history. Not that we, we've always had an ideal uh, Khalifa situation, or not that uh, that particular Khalifa was somehow special, but there was always something that mimicked what we find in the classical books of Islamic law, that there is this position of the Khalifa, even if by that time it was just ceremony. And I talked about how that is a segue into the major signs. And I'm going to come back to why that is the case, but not right now in England. When we come to the major signs of Yom Al-Qiyamah, they themselves typically have a breakdown. There is the introduction to those major signs. There are the major signs themselves, which are the ones that we're probably familiar with or sort of in the back of our head. And then there is the end of those signs, which also demarcates the end of life as we know it, and therefore the transition from this world into the world of the hereafter. Today, inshallah, I want to spend the whole lecture just talking about the introduction to these signs. And then next next lecture, inshallah, we'll talk about the signs themselves. And I want to and, and the reason is I want people to understand how we make this transition and how we make sense of things. Because when we start talking about the signs of the end of time, sometimes people either they freak out and they get really overwhelmed, or uh, they think it's just so far out there that this is all made up; it's never going to happen. And I want us to be able to be rational when we come to understand. 
One of the things about the collapse of the caliphate is that when we talk about the Mahdi as being one of the signs, the major signs of the end of time, one of the functions of the Mahdi is when we read the hadith about the Mahdi, which we'll do next time, is the Mahdi will bring justice when the world is filled with injustice, particularly he will be able to bring the Muslim world together in a way that has not happened for some time. And that's why the collapse of the Ottoman Caliphate represents for many of the ulama that, that talk and write about this thing, talk, it, it, it represents for them the beginning of the major signs. Because from the time of the collapse of the Ottoman Caliphate till now, you know, all of this time has transpired, almost 100 years at the time of this recording. You know, the Muslim world has been more fragmented than it was before that. And despite many efforts, there have been many efforts to bring different parts of the Muslim world together. It's still, it's more fragmented now than it was 10 years ago, than it was 20 years ago, than it was 80 years ago, etc. And the idea is that, and I, we talked about the hadith of Hudayfa, Yemeni, etc. That this will not come back. That type of order will not come back. But the Mahdi represents a figure that will be able to bring that. So there had to be this uh, collapse of that office in order to pave the way for what we were going to talk about. So that's why it's sort of a demarcation. The other demarcation, which is what we'll spend the bulk of today talking about, is uh, a famous hadith that is found in the collection of Muslim. It's a hadith in Sahih Muslim. And it is a hadith in which the Prophet asks one of the Sahaba to confirm to the other companions what he himself has been saying. And this Sahabi's name is Tanim al-Dari. Tanim used to be a Christian uh, before the advent of Islam. And he was a sailor. The Prophet was talking to the Sahaba one day and he was telling them about the Dajjal about the Antichrist, which is one of the major signs. We'll talk about that next week in detail, inshallah. And Tamim had an interesting story. So when Tamim came to tell the Prophet of something that happened before Islam, the Prophet when he saw him, he said, Tamim, I want you to come and tell everyone what I have been telling them. Because what you, your story confirms what I have been saying. And that's a very, very rare instance in which the Prophet would bring a Sahaba you know, the Prophet was sent to the Sahaba, but he would bring a Sahabi and ask him to, to tell this story that confirmed what he has been saying. This hadith is found in the, the book of Al-Fitan al-Ashrat al-Sa'ah, Kitab al-Fitan al-Ashrat al-Sa'ah, in Sahih Muslim, in the chapter of Qisat al-Jassasa, because in the story, it's a very long hadith, we're not going to go over, over all of it, but there's this interesting character in his story called the Jassasa, so the hadith is called for that reason. Anyway, the story goes as follows. Tamim, he was at sea and he got lost. Him and his, his people on the boat, they got lost for over a month. And after a month of being lost at sea, there was a storm or a series of storms. They lost their, their bearings. They lost their way. They don't know where they are. They're lost at sea for over a month. And all of a sudden, they find this island. They, they get off the ship. And you know, the island is very strange. There are these weird-looking people on the island that have all of this weird kind of hair. That's where the Jasasa comes from. And they make their way, that the people that sort of uh, first meet them on land, they take them to this old 
monastery-like structure. And in the monastery-like structure, there's this even more weird person that's kind of shackled, and they start dialoguing with this person. It turns out that that person is the Dajjal. And Tamim al-Dari is narrating this story after he became Muslim, when the Prophet started talking about the Dajjal and describing him. Tamim was like, I remember this happened, this happened, so this is why he said, tell everyone the story. We'll talk about the Dajjal you know, next week. I don't want to be you know, pushed out of that way. So just remember that this person that, that Tamim is speaking to is the Dajjal. The Dajjal asks Tamim three questions. These three questions, these three signs are the introduction or the beginning of the major signs. And as we will see, they pretty much have already occurred, which confirms that we are now really in the last phase. You know, we are, we are looking now for the, the major signs that we all have heard. The first question he asks, he asks him about the dates of Baysan. He asks him about the water called Ayn Zuhar. And he asks him about Lake Tiberias. Lake Tiberias is also known as the Sea of Galilee today. So he says, tell me about the dates of Baysan. Baysan, it turns out, was a Palestinian village that is near uh, the Sea of Galilee today, near the Golan Heights, and was taken by the Israelis in 1948-1949 and is no longer today a Palestinian village and the actual old city of Baysan no longer really exists, it's just a bunch of rubble and then the Israelis built out of it you know, a modern town. If you look online, yeah, the, 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 the modern city uh, of uh, what we call Baysan is totally modern very sky rises and you know, modern technology and things. That's not the Baysan that, that is in the Hadith. So Tamim says, no, you know, the dates of Baysan are, the, the date trees are plentiful and Baysan still produces dates and we all consume the dates. He's like, yeah, but that will stop soon. After, the, after 1948-1949, the establishment of the State of Israel and the uh, removal of the Palestinian, the original Palestinian inhabitants of that city, those date trees stopped yielding, well, first of all, they were all raised to create this new city, and today there are no date trees in the city, and there are no dates. So since the 1950s, this city, Baysan, no longer has any dates. And that's what the Dajjal was saying, is that a time will come in which they will yield no more dates. And then he asked him about the water of Ain Zuhar. It turns out that Zuhar was a small village near the Dead Sea. And in the olden times, the Dead Sea was called Ain Zuhar. Ain is like a, a body of water, was called Ain Zuhar. So the Dajjal asked Tamim, he said, is there water in Ain Zuhar in the Dead Sea? And he said, yes. He said, but soon there will be no water. Until the 1950s, the flow of fresh water into the Dead Sea, whether it be rainwater or some of the tributaries that feed into the water, kind of equaled the rate of the evaporation 
of the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, as you know, has an extremely high salt content, so there's really nothing alive in it. But in the in the body in the bottom of that of that body of water, it's full of minerals. And up until the 1950s, the water level more or less equals. In the 1960s, the Israelis started diverting some of the Dead Sea water, some of the streams that feed into the Dead Sea. They started redirecting it away from the Dead Sea for their own water purposes. As you know, that part of the world, Jordan, uh, Israel, Palestine, it's very, very little fresh water. Many of the security issues, in the political security issues in that region today are about water. Securing water rights, uh, drinking water, fresh water, desalinization, all of that kind of stuff. So in the 1960s, they started diverting some of that water. And since then, the ratio of replenishment to evaporation started to tilt towards evaporation. And then the Dead Sea is now shrinking at a, at a remarkably fast rate. In the 1970s, Jordan and Syria started to do the same. Other rivers and streams that were feeding in, they had to divert them also for drinking water. And it currently gets less than 10% of the annual rainfall it needs to maintain its current water levels. So it needs X number of water per year to maintain the current level. It's getting less than 10% of that every year. And it's shrinking rapidly. If you go there today, you find an older, you know, on the Jordanian side, and you ask one of the older, you know, Bedouins, uh, is this what it was like when you were a kid? They'll be like, no, I remember the water used to go all the way over there. And now all of this is land. And they take from those minerals and they, you know, they sell them as salts and they sell them as cosmetics and, you know, etc. So the Dajjal, he asks Tamim, he says, is there still water in the Dead Sea? And he says, yes. He's like, okay, soon there will be no water. And then he asks him about Lake Tiberias, which is what today we refer to as the Sea of Galilee. Same question. He says, is there water in the, in the Lake, Lake Tiberias, Sea of Galilee? He says, yes. And then he says, but soon there will be no water. The Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake on earth. Like the Dead Sea, it has been depleting. In 1969, the Israelis started monitoring the water level daily because of the, it's a, it's a big water, it's, a, it's a very important for, for Israeli security. And in November 2001, it had the lowest recorded water level since the monitoring began. In recent years, maybe there's some extra rain, so the water level is holding, but it is depleting. And when we read about Juj and Majuj, one of the signs, one of the major signs that we've all heard of, it's in the Quran, etc. One of the things that those people are going to do is they're going to come and they're going to deplete the rest of the water that is in the lake of Lake Tiberias. They're going to drink all of that water and there'll be no water left. We'll, we'll come back to that later. So the Dajjal is asking Tamim al-Dari these three questions about the dates of the city of Baisan, the village of Baisan, about the water of the Dead Sea, if it's still uh, there or not, and about Lake Tiberias. And when Tamim answers in the affirmative, yeah, there's the dates, there's the water level, etc. He says, it is, not, it is not time for me to come out yet. So based on that hadith in Sahih Muslim, these three signs 
are the introduction to the great, the other, the, 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 the other major signs. So the Dajjal is here in this Sahih Hadith is telling us, as is confirmed by the Prophet that when these three things happen, the Dajjal can come out. The Dajjal himself is preceded by the Mahdi. So of the major signs, the only order that we know is that it's the Mahdi, the Dajjal, the return of Christ, and Yajud and Majud, those four. All of the other major signs that we're going to talk about, the earthquakes, the Debba, um, the destruction of the Kaaba, we, the, the, the sun rising in the west and setting in the east, all of those things, we do not know the order of them. We do not know the time span between them. All we know is that when the Prophet laid out the, the appearance of this guy called the Mahdi, that at the end of his time will emerge the Dajjal. Now we know that the Dajjal said he'll come out when these three things happen. The Mahdi will not be able to defeat the Dajjal until the return of Christ. Christ will uh, defeat the return of the Dajjal. And after the Dajjal uh, passes and Christ passes, there will be the appearance of Yajuj and Majjuj. So those are, that's the only order that we know. The reason I wanted to dedicate the lecture to this is for the well, other than the fact that it's part of subject matter, is to highlight the following, which is the date trees of Baisan didn't start to uh, stop yielding dates until the 1950s. But here we are all these years later, you know, not 100 years, but, you know, 70, 80, 90 years later, and we're still approximating the end of this introduction to the major signs. And this reminds us of something that I said in the beginning. I don't know if we, we said it enough, but I want to make sure to say it now, that we, it is haram for us to anticipate or to wait for these signs. So say like I'm some young guy in the 1950s, and you know, I'm studying this stuff, and then I realize, oh, this Palestinian village has been destroyed. There's no longer any date trees. Oh, this is one of the signs of Yom Qiyamah, and I, I have to do something. You don't have to do anything. These are simply signs. Signs that the hour is near. Signs that the Prophet was true. Sign that our religion has been transmitted to us correctly, authentically, without, without any deficiencies, without anything that has been missing. And look how long it's taken for the sea, uh, the Dead Sea to start depleting. And still, the Sea of Galilee is still it's depleting, but not so much. Might be another 50, 60, 80, 100 years. So when we study these things, this is not to instill fear. This is not to make us change what we're doing. This is for us simply to say, Rasulullah The Prophet was honest. I mean, what more confirmation do we want? The level of details of this hadith, the dates of this city and village, and look what happens. I mean, when Tamim was asked this question, he probably thought this was a strange question. Of course, of course there are date trees there. Date trees everywhere. And then the, the sea level, why would there be no... No more see it. That doesn't make sense. All of it, over 1,400 years later, these things start to happen. So because of this hadith, it's this discourse between Tamim and Dari and the Dajjal. The Dajjal says, okay, then I'm not allowed to come out. Meaning that when these three things happen, and maybe, like I said, maybe the Sea of Galilee is not going to be depleted to zero, or the Dead Sea, maybe he simply meant as they start to deplete, when those things happen, that's when he will appear. And we know that he will only appear after the Mahdi appears. And that's why the Ottomans say that this linked with the collapse of the Ottoman Caliphate 
mean that we have, this is the introduction to the major signs. And really the only thing that's left is for us to now witness the major signs. And when we talk about them, and they're, they're major, they're pretty, you know, massive, you know, international type. They're not as, as benign as some date tree stops yielding dates. They're, they are pretty massive. It's important for us to remember everything that we've talked about up until now and to also not lose our calm and not lose our way. Because one of the things that the Prophet says, for example, when we come to talk about the Dajjal, one of the things that he tells us is, is if, he, if he appears, do not approach him, do not go near him, but stay away. Because nobody comes in contact with him except he falls under his spell. So we do not, you know, we do not need to do anything other than to be in the know that these things will happen and to make sure that we protect ourselves by keeping our faith, keeping our practice, and inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect us from these fitness, inshallah. Any questions? There have been many false methods over the over the years. How do they yeah, reconcile you know their appearance with the conditions that haven't been satisfied? There have been so many false Mahdis that some of the ulama, uh, it led them to conclude that, that there is no Mahdi. That those hadith must be like false, because it, it, it almost became like ridiculous. Like every 10 years there's some guy that claims he's a Mahdi. Uh, when, we, when we analyze that, it turns out that that's not the case, that not only are the hadith sound, but you know, they're mutawatif hadith. So they're just as strongly narrated to us the way the Quran is. Um, but like I said in the beginning, there are two things that are haram for us. One is to sit and like wait for the hour to come. And two is to simulate, to like act like it's going to come. Like ISIS, they get black flags, they wear black, they say certain, their publication is called Dabiq. You know, they, they, they're trying to simulate the end of time. But that's haram for us because these things are, these things are, is there anything inherently haram that the date tree no longer yields any dates? No, this is for us a sign. When this happens, that means that we're really close to this other stuff happening. That's it. So people that claim they're the Mahdi, either, you know, they, um, and by the way, all of the people, most of the people, the vast majority of the people that claim that they were the Mahdi, they're all pious people. They like prayed and they fasted and they read the Quran. And, and it could be that they were overwhelmed by the world around them. And they just felt like, you know, something must be done. Or they didn't claim it, but the people around them claimed that they're the Mahdi for the same reasons. And they didn't yield this advice where we can't we can't force this to come. It comes when it comes. All we need to know is either sign, alamat. They're just simply signs that time is progressing. That's it. Uh, that's what I could say. I mean, and by the way, they've been claiming the Mahdi from way back. I mean, early generations. Like the third century of Islam till now, they've been claiming this fancy stuff. Um, so I think that's part of the, the reason. It's just sort of, oh, things are so bad that we need this like Superman figure to come and save us. Yeah. Um, from my teaching before, I've always thought, when you say it's just the time progressing, the time starts getting that time progressing, but for me, when I was thought that time is progressing, it must mean that things are getting really bad, and that's how, that's the connection I've been 
work up and I'm, I, I don't know, should I continue leaving that or this is a... Well, yes and no. I mean, things are definitely, things definitely suck now and they will get worse as a progression of time. And the Prophet said, you know, the best generation is my generation and the one after them and the one after them. Meaning that, well, what happens after that? You know, things sort of slide. At the same time, the Prophet said, the goodness will be in this ummah until the day of judgment. So when the Prophet says, if the hour is about to come and in your hand is a, is a date seed, then plant it. Who's he speaking? He, he must be speaking to somebody who's going to be who's going to be a practicing Muslim. Saying, la ilaha Muhammad Rasulullah at that last hour. That means it must be somebody amongst us that's going to make it all that time. So the way I would look at it is you need to insulate yourself and not be despondent by, by how things are bad. Because we are not in control of the universe. Allah is. But no matter how bad things are outside, that doesn't mean I have to be bad. Doesn't doesn't mean I have to lie and steal and cheat. I can still be a good person and hold my moral code. And, you know, surround myself with people that are like-minded. So I think the way to balance this is to acknowledge, yes, things might progressively get bad. But inshallah, I ask Allah to make me amongst the group that will not be bad. Amongst the group that will be rewarded. Amongst the group that will be saved. The people that fight with the Mahdi, the Prophet said they are the best of humanity. So, I mean, that's very high praise. So yes, things get bad, but at the same time, they don't necessarily have to get bad for each single one of us. So hold that balance and insulate yourself, is what my advice would be. Just ask a question, what, what could be the characteristic of, uh, of the man? You want to jump to next week? <laughs> <laughs> the man, his name will be Muhammad, and his father's name will be Abdullah. And he will have, um, he will be from the descendants of Imam Hassan, not from the descendants of the Hussein. And uh, he will be born in Medina, and there will be some kind of uh, problem in Medina that will make him leave to Mecca. And the people will recognize him when he is in Mecca. He will have a mole on his right cheek. He will have a thick black beard. His hair will start from the middle of his uh, head, not from the, 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 the normal part, but back, he'll be bald partly. Uh, he will be whitish with a red tinge. Um, and people will just naturally love him. Meaning people will, the Muslims will love him and respect him, and the world will love him and respect him. He will be accepted as a leader, naturally. Again, not forced. And they say that he will come out uh, of Medina wearing a Moroccan uh, uh, sinhab. You know the Moroccan, the Abed? He'll be wearing it. That's one of the hadith says that. Which is why some of the Moroccans say, oh, he's in Morocco. <laughs> so again, yeah, we'll talk. So he's a, it's a description of a real person. It's a description of a real person. But the important thing is that it will be like natural. You know, people will like him. People will respect him. The Muslims will congregate around him. Uh, it will just sort of happen just like that. And he will stay between seven and nine years. Towards the end of his time, it will be the appearance of the Dajjal and the descent of Sidna Isa He will fight the Dajjal, but will not be able to win. And then Isa will fight the Dajjal, and when the Dajjal sees Isa, he will melt the way salt melts in water. The Prophet said. And that's another thing. All of these, you know, ISIS and they want to fight, and it's the end of time. All of these things happen naturally. Yeah, the Dajjal 
just dissolves when he sees Isa. That is as simple as that. It doesn't have to be bloodshed and things like that. Which is another thing when you read the signs of the end of time that people don't understand is that a lot of these things just happen naturally. Like Yajuj and Majuj. How do they die? They just die. The hadith don't say that there's a war and we kill them. No, they just naturally die. No, you know, no crimes against humanity, no chemical warfare, or you know, anthrax or mustard seed, got nothing. They just die naturally, and they naturally are disposed of. And a lot of the signs are like that. Then let's wait till next week. The who? Um, there, there are, uh, yeah, there are some hadith. Um, I, I think, uh, I think that the Khidr recognizes the Mahdi in Mecca or something like that and calls people to some, you know, something like that, but not from the science point of view, not so much. The Khidr? Allah, I mean, he could. He could. But every, everyone's going to die eventually. Maybe he's that guy with the seed in his palm. You know, before the hours, maybe that's the Khidr. He's the last guy, the last man standing. Because the Prophet said, the hour will not come until nobody on earth says, Allah, Allah. And the, the, the other hadith, the hour will not come except upon Luka ibn Luka. And I said last week or the week before, Luka is, is like a very lowly person. The lowly person, uh, they will say, yeah, I heard my grandparents say something like that, Allah, but I don't know what it means. And then his, the generation after him, Luka, the son of Luka, that's when the hour will come. Meaning that this, the Luka guy, at least he, yeah, something, I, I heard something like that. I heard something like Muhammad, la ilaha, I heard, I think my grandparents used to say something like that. I don't know what that means. And then his, the generation after him will be completely separated. But at the same time, somebody will, will, will believe it, but it will be a minority. So maybe it is the khit, I don't know. Yeah. So the Ahmadiyya, they believe that God is following a, a Mahdi, correct? I don't know what they believe. I don't know. I think it's a little bit more intense than that. I think they believe that, that this guy, Mirza Gulam Ahmad, was a prophet, like received revelation. I mean, he certainly wasn't a prophet, and he definitely wasn't the Mahdi. So whatever it is that they believe, it's either it takes them outside of Islam or it makes them, you know, extreme, you know, people of bid'ah. But I don't know. I, I, I would depend on what they say. I really don't know the details. What is the proportion of the sign coming from Quran and from Hadith? If there is any? Uh, it depends. Juj is in the Quran. Isa salam coming back is in the Qur'an. The Mahdi is referred to in the Qur'an, but most of the details are in the Hadith. The Dabba, I think there's a verse in the Qur'an. Uh, the Khasaf, the earthquakes, that's from the Hadith. The destruction of the, of the Kaaba and the raising of the Mus'haf, that's from the Hadith. So on and so forth. And why is 
There is some from Hadith and one from the Quran. So one the two stories. It's the same with everything else in the deen. Yeah, the Quran doesn't tell us Fajr, two rakahs, Duhr, four rakahs, Asr, four rakahs, Mahr, three rakahs, Aisha. That's the details are in the Hadith. So the Quran usually sets out principles and the details of the tafsir of that are in the Hadith. So it's the same thing with everything else. Uh, that's how I would answer. On the, the Quran and the Hadith, I think the, when you say the dates, it's 1957 years, as of now, that is going to be the first sign. I was thinking of this ayah, it's going to say, in the blue Amr of Al-Samai, Amr of Al-Samai, if you have a card, Al-Fasana, Al-Fasana, I mean, what's it, what's it? Yeah, the, the angels they experience time based on that dimension. And then with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, five thousand years is one day uh, one day with Allah is five thousand years with us. So when we die, our whole life when we when we are resurrected, our whole life will seem like it was only two minutes. And that's why Allah says in the Quran, They see it, all of the stuff we're talking about, they see it as very far away, but we see it, it's near. Because we know that time is going to be relative. Time now seems that it's at the way we experience it. But when we die and we are resurrected, and we look back, it will be like just a couple of minutes. My next question was on the water, the dry of the dead sea. And nowadays there's a lot of talk about the next one would be water wars. Yeah, and water wars. And by the way, all the statistics I gave, this is, you know, you have to take this with a grain of salt because this, these are highly classified, you know, information. I mean, it's not going to be easy to determine the exact rate of the depletion of water. And, uh, but yeah, water wars, security, it's a major issue in that region. It's the only issue. I mean, Jordan has no natural water. Yeah, so alhamdulillah, we have the, you know, Ethiopia, check. Don't worry about that. They, 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 they got scared. They opened like a big military base with all of this US aid and the Ethiopians. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I'm not worried about that. But yeah, water is a, is a major security issue. Water wars, water security. Anybody else? Hmm. How about the sign? Some signs are predictable about the future. When you look, when you look at climate change, when you look at political what happened for the empire of the Khalifa, where after the fall of the Khalifa, we need to achieve the most fight today. Especially the, the Western world, the British and American, to control the Arab world as a colony. I mean, this division, what we have right now, is really one thing. Like, represents, you know, the Islamic point and then this dash and using is, uh, it's very complicated, but the goal is to control the, the political thing. And then there is the climate uh, change where it's predictable about the problem of water, it's going to be a, going to be a, a problem. Uh, the, the demography is going to exceed the, the definition, so it's going to be some conflict. It's not something that uh, we don't know about is going to happen. If people don't take some some precaution right now, you know, but they try to do it. So those are predictable. I mean, even from 
even if we don't have you know the sign, people would, would see where, where we are going. Um, so how you interpret this? I mean, you bring this political, this climate change, and, and we should have been you know the guardian of Earth, and we are destroying it. Uh, we just looked at Haiti uh, and uh, Saint Dominique, where one has destroyed all the wood, you know, with this there, and the other one green, you know, same. Yeah. Sometimes we have the difference between what what we don't know. I mean, the science about the, the gem, but it's mostly uh, the value that we are losing. I mean, the, the moral. Yeah, but there's a uh, hundred years ago, it would have been impossible for us to assume that this Palestinian village will no longer have dates. But there's no. But before, before the uh, the village of Palestinian, the old. All Iraq and all this vision, they call it the fertile children, and because people didn't take care of the environment, it went to a desert. So, the same thing. But this wasn't uh, natural, it was unnatural. And the Israelis, this, this village was captured in 1948, made part of Israel. The Palestinians were kicked out of that village. The old village was raised, and they built a new town. On top, I mean, that's you couldn't have predicted that. Then why, why that, and not you know East Jerusalem or yeah, yeah, why that village in particular? Some of it is is, is hard to predict. Uh, the other, the other thing is that part of our belief is that these things are going to happen whether we, whether you try to stop it or not. It's happening. It's nothing. Nothing will change it. Uh, the earthquakes, for example, you know, one can argue that this is a result of uh, major greenhouse gases or environmental. predicting that there will be a great uh, earthquake in California and also. Yeah, so the, because of the Yeah, the Prophet says there will be a big earthquake in the east and the west. I mean, I don't know. We don't know where that is. Japan is that Japan and California, or is that uh, somewhere else? But you know, there are the the, the tectonic plates underneath that whatever. Fault line is called in California is pretty serious. So some of them are predictable, but they're predictable because we have information now that we didn't have before. I think that's also another thing. We, I think it would have been very difficult to assume that the Khilafah will just end like that. And they could have kept it. They could have, uh, at a Turk could have, he said, I'm the new Khalifa. Uh, before, when everybody tries to take power. Depends how we manage how people work. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And we were like, uh, you know, but when we talk about like the Mahdi, the, the Jed, I mean, that stuff is that's, a, that's yeah, that's kind of that's not natural. That's very difficult to do. No, that's what I said. It's, it's easy to predict something that we know scientifically. Yeah. Sure. You know what happened with the Muslim world or the destruction of the Kaaba. That's not something that we would assume, or that there would be no more Quran. But it happened before. Yeah, it's happened before. Yeah, I mean, we have we have to do the best we can for sure. I mean, just because these things are going to happen, it doesn't mean that we don't we, we're not active in our day to day life. We should live the, our life the best we can, but we need to know in the back of our head that you know this is the direction things are going to go. But it, it might not happen. This all these things might not happen in the time frame that we assume is you know. All these things might not happen for another thousand years. I don't know. 
But it's part of the gene, and we, you know, we need to talk about it at least once. So there isn't any logic behind the appearance of the Mahdi before the Najjar? Yeah, there will be zur, there will be injustice, and the Mahdi will bring justice and will bring wealth to, to, the, to the Muslim world. So we'll be able to unite the Muslim community and spread wealth. So there'll be like a type of natural treasure that will be found, or natural resources, I mean, rather. And from that, he will be able to give. Uh, because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in one of the hadith about the, uh, about the Mahdi, he talks about how, you know, after the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam passes, there will be Khilafah, and after the Khilafah, there will be, um, you know, Mulk, and after that, there will be, and at the end, there will be dictators, Jababir. And then after that, the Mahdi will appear to bring justice when there is injustice. So the hikmah of the Mahdi is that he will be able to bring unity where there is disunity for our community. And that will therefore represent for us some type of political strength internationally, that we will have somebody that will be able to speak internationally with other people of power. At this time, this is when the Dajjal will appear. The Dajjal is like, like a trickster. He will use illusions and you know, he, will, he will trick people with these type of illusions. And it will be a big fitna. The Prophet said there is no prophet in the history of the MBA except that he told their community about the Dajjal. You know, every tradition has this belief that there's like an antichrist or a um, you know, false messiah or something like that. When the Dajjal comes, uh, the Mahdi will fight with the Dajjal. One time he'll win, one time he'll lose. We will lose a lot of people, we will win a lot of He will not be able to be, only a prophet can beat the Dajjal. Then Isa comes, and just like that, the Dajjal vanishes. He just sort of, the Hadith says he will dissolve the way salt dissolves in water. And he will just like overnight, he will go away. And then Isa will stay for about 40 years. And then he will, <coughs> when he dies, he will be buried in Medina next to the Prophet. At the end of Isa's time, Juj will come out. We don't know. But the one main sign that, that tells us something is that when the sun rises in the west and sets in the east, that's when the door of Tawbah is closed. Meaning that it's like, you know, God forbid, but if that happened now, we couldn't increase our ibadah. Whatever we are, we're locked in the way we are now. If I, if I all I did is I prayed my the prayers, I can't all of a sudden start praying Fard and pray Sunnah. The Sunnah will not be accepted. So whatever you did, you're locked in like that. There is no more Tawbah. I mean, after that is really, that's the end. But what is the time span between all of these things? We have no idea. The Luka, Ibn Luka, you know, you can try to estimate that maybe that's like 150 years if you count the generations. Or how long it would take from that guy saying, I heard my grandparents saying that Allah... And then his gen, you can count all of that and maybe say 150, 160 years. But that's about, but when is that going to take Allah out. The only progression that we know is what I, was what I said. The Mahdi, Christ, the, the, uh, the Mahdi, the, the Jal, Christ, Yajuj and Majuj. That's about it. But that might not happen for several hundred years. But it's going to happen. Just like all the other bazillion signs we've been talking about happen.
No, no, no. It's a, it, it, they are a, a community of people. Not two people. They're like a... It's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, brother, I'm just going to talk about the lecture, but this is something related to this. These uh, are things which we are talking about. MashaAllah, in our group, we know that all these signs are coming and all that. And as you mentioned, that it's not nearby. We don't know when it is. I don't know. We don't know. Where it is. I think they're pretty new. <laughs> yeah. But uh, at this time, at this time, if you see, this time of, say, 30 years ago, the way the internet was, and the way the internet is now, all the homes, irrespective of Muslims and non-Muslims, the internet is capturing the minds so in, intensely, if you see the movies, if you see any other thing on screen, it is capturing all ages. So we need to have a, a proper defense system for them. Uh, Muslims have to stand and show something that wisdomfully how we can uh, encounter them. We do not have those weapons. Just in the homes. Yeah, we'll, we'll never have those weapons. Are, this is how we counter. We have to, yeah. you know, pass on our religion the way it was passed on to us. Not, nothing else is going to work. Because uh, these, one of the you were asking about this. So one of the things about these signs is. There's nothing you need to do to prepare for it other than you need to know. If you know, when they happen, you're not going to be overwhelmed. You're, you're going to be like, I, I believe, I believe in the Prophet This is So what? Of course this is going to happen. And you're going to stay in your lane and you're going to live your life. That's how you protect yourself. And you have to develop that resilience for yourself, for your family, for your community. We don't, the Prophet did not tell us you have to build some super weapon, Dajjal killer weapon and None of, as a matter of fact, the Prophet forbade us from running towards the fitna. He said, when you see the Dajjal, stay away. Don't go towards the Dajjal. When this guy, the man, appears, he'll take care of it. When I saw it, he'll take it. He didn't say for me to take care of it or for you to take care of it or for us to build up this mass uh, weapon called the Dajjal. We don't have to do any of that. Internet, no internet. We just have to pass on our religion. We just stay even keeled and everything will be okay. Allah will protect us, inshallah. Yeah, inshallah. Like soft strategies at home, we need to talk about that. Because the internet is such an entity that it is can be controllable. So parents need to know how we can control our The best internet uh, soft strategy at home is to unplug your router. They can be programmed. Unplug the router, everything will be fine. You, you'll see how creative your children will be within five minutes. Oh, the power went out. Just go downstairs and turn off the circuit breaker. That's it. We need just to respond. The best way for me is to not to be blasted by all this fake information on the internet. It's just practice. Sure. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of wrong information. And also follow the rules. I mean, it's not only just pray. We have to behave. Yeah. And, and you are always aware what you are saying. When you are aware, uh, like for example, uh, some movies are there in Hollywood and in Bollywood. They they are showing it's all monstrous and all violent related. All everything is kind of very chaotic, 
and they say that oh it's a very good movie you know they have to say that but it's something has to do with nothing related to what yeah, yeah. The, the prophet he said one of the signs of yom al-qiyamah is the appearance of a ruwaybida so the sahaba said what are the ruwaybida and the prophet said stupid people that speak about important things that's a sign right there that we people don't know anything and they want to distract you that they're very simple-minded they're speaking about very complicated things like all the people that not all the people but many of the people that speak in the name of Islam you know they don't know anything about Islam at all and they're speaking about these massive things and they're just making things up as they go along and you know they infect you know a generation of people this is one of the signs of, I mean one of the middle signs of Yom Al-Qiyamah we were talking about last week or the last class. So we inoculate ourselves by learning. And le what we learn, we practice. Not, not just the prayer, and the, but what we learn are our akhlaq, how to carry yourself with character. That's how you inoculate yourself. So when this Dajjal figure, you know, when I saw that, though all of this came because of that Messiah thing on Netflix. I think when it came out, I mentioned it or somebody mentioned it, I said, oh, you know what we should talk about? The signs of Yom Al-Qiyamah. So I didn't see that show and freak out. I said, SubhanAllah, this is exactly how people are going to get played with. We should talk about this. So not everything out there, we have to take it as negative. We can take it and sort of process it and, and use them as examples. I'm, I'm happy that that show came out. I'm looking forward to season two. Anybody else have it? Today was a little short because I didn't want to get into the Mahdi. Well, he wants us to get into the Mahdi. So I wanted to wait until next week for the Mahdi and all the big stuff. Anybody have any other issues? Like, for example, like we are living in a mashallah and very good communities, and uh, the schools are very much uh, backed up with a lot of uh, funding. And what I see the products of these schools are not having the family values not having any ethics and they are teaching to reflect which, uh, with so much money they are having. Uh, maybe we can, as a community, can suggest them to put like, uh, you know, credit hours, the way they have SSL hours, they have this outside, but they can have some domestic SSL hours from the parents to have some values. You know, we can come up with some curriculum that they teach some uh, respect parents, do some in a family value thing. Uh, because uh, they are doing whatever they want. They have their own curriculum and they are brainwashing our kids. But as a community for our representation, uh, with what we are discussing in our community centers, should go to them and say that, okay, here are some values that they should be taught, which is minimal, irrespective of religion, at least respecting uh, what they have to. Uh, we are giving them so much resources, they are thankless. They don't know, they are just on internet, they don't want to do anything whatsoever for their own. Even a frying an egg, as simple as that. So they, they don't know the value of what to eat, what to be fed, and they, you know, like nutrition values, they don't have it. We should uh, give something to these curriculums. I have a question about Earth. Can you talk about the science of the day of judgment? Um, in terms of illnesses and, and epidemics, are there other types of science as well? Um, not 
not as such, not physical uh, ailments, um, but more natural disasters. So like the earthquakes and Jews and Jews, there's like some natural phenomena that happens with them. But not that I've come across that there's um, some like disease or something like that. So the, the world will not end because of natural disasters and, and disease. It will, it will end because Allah says it's ending. But that does not mean that there will not be more. I mean, that's but not, not nothing that I, I came across. Locus? Uh, you're going back. That's what like St. Nabusa is. Yeah, there's like uh, an unusual Yeah, it's because all these like Bible preacher guys are like, oh, these are like signs of. I mean, that's backwards. I mean, you don't. Okay, so the locus. Not everything is going to be like a sign. Not that I not that I know. And what I know is very little, so it could be I don't remember coming across a locust as being one of the major signs of human yeah. So just uh, relating to what he said, climate change and what happened, is it is it a sign? It is an implicit sign because a lot of these things that will happen will be climate, you know, the, these massive earthquakes. I mean, I don't know if it's the Climate change of the environment is directly responsible, but you know, if, if half of California just fell in the sea, that would, that's definitely a sign. Um, but uh, it could happen also through like some kind of tsunami or some type of you know, typhoon or something like that. So yes, certainly, and those things scientifically will be a result of you know climate change. Um, yeah, Juge and Juge will come out because of hunger meaning that there will be some kind of famine or some kind of economic food problem for them. They will come out seeking food, water, and that's why they'll end up you know, depleting uh, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so yes, I guess one can say that one of the tools or the catalysts for these signs is the, the you know, environmental change, climate change, which doesn't mean that we should stop, you know, we should do everything we can to stop climate change. I'm, I'm just saying that these are signs, but we have to do what's right now. Have you looked at the difference between Christianity and the Jews? Not in much detail. But uh, yeah, Jews are my Jews just from the Old Testament. Um, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the the Dajjal is also shared, that concept. Some of the ulama say that the Dajjal will come and he will be followed by some of Ahl Kitab as the Messiah. Because everyone is waiting for somebody to come, a Messiah. Whether it's Christ or whether it's a Messiah. So that could be where some of the tension is. But no, I haven't really looked at it in much, much detail. This is actually really the first time that I spend this much time looking at the signs of your the sun rising from the west. I just wanted to share a joke. Okay, please. <laughs> you know, at the height of the British Empire, they were everywhere, right? Australia, Australia, Australia. The sun never sets on the British Empire. The sun never sets on the British Empire. But now they are against Iowa. Thank you. That's why we have a very small slab there. Absolutely, not just that. How do you think they built uh, that subway system and all that interest and all the stuff they stole from us? 
They have nothing. Ooh, potatoes and fish. And all of a sudden, they have this fancy underground system because they stole all the resources from India and from Africa. And we did a study, I think it was like a year ago, they said that they estimated that the British, they stole like $10 trillion worth of assets from the world. So the sun definitely sets now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge. It's not for us to judge, but we also don't have to. We don't have to lie to ourselves. We can talk about history accurately. Anybody else? But today was just an introduction to the major signs. The hadith of Tamim al dari when he met the Dajjal in some kind of island. Don't go looking for the Dajjal now. <laughs> Don't go to Bermuda and say, oh, he's in the Bermuda Triangle or he's in Tanzania. Don't do that. Because if you found the Dajjal, you know, you're going you're gonna to fall into his fitna. Don't, don't go looking for the Dajjal. Tamim didn't. He just got lost at sea. So don't be, oh, I'm going to go find the Dajjal. But we'll talk about the bigger signs. But, I mean, the way I'm going to talk about the bigger signs is sort of the same way I've been talking about the signs up until now. I'm trying to not get too... I want people to feel like we got to go up to the hills and things like that. Yeah, I mean, fitnat al Masih al-Jali, at the end of the prayer, before the taslim, it's a, it's a sunnah dua. Like the Dajjal is going to come, we're going to still have, you know... Uh, Parking problems at the mosque, we're still gonna have to raise money during our tarawih on the night of the 27th. Nothing's gonna change. We still have our Friday class, everything's gonna keep going. It's not like it's just a sign. It's just a sign. And one of the hadith says that the jail comes from the Khawarij, like the ISIS people. From that will come the who knows? So we gotta we have to be aware, we don't want to be fooled. But you still have to live your life. You know, it's like you're watching a movie. And I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen in this epic movie. And the movie's going to end. Allah's going to, if, you know, God forbid we're, we get caught up in that. But if we are, we're, Allah's going to ask us, Yom Al-Qiyamah, what did we do? He's going to say, did you get fooled by the Dajjal and that nonsense? Or did you follow the Kitab and the Sunnah? We have everything that we need. All we need to do is follow the Kitab and Sunnah. Stay away from the fit. Not just that fitna, any fitna. You know, you see people fighting, you see this sort of fitna online, stay away from that stuff. Don't get, don't get sucked into that stuff. Nothing good comes from that. The Prophet also said that maybe you are physically away from the fitna, but your heart is in it. So it's not just physically, but also emotionally. Don't, don't get caught up in all of this stuff. But all these people that are so excited by the election, you know, Bernie Sanders is the man. I mean, come on, guys. You have to be realistic. These people are not are not going to save us. They may not be able to save us, but are there? Isn't there a uh, do? Do we have a moral obligation to choose what is better for what we believe is better for society? I mean, there are differences. Yes, you you have a moral obligation to 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 make the best decision for your homeland. Equally, I have a moral obligation not to influence you on. Who to, to vote yeah. for? So all these imams standing and speaking at rallies—that's haram. It's not bidat haram. It's sinful. Allah will ask that person, Yom Khaimah, what the hell are you doing? Because this is no place for the deen at all on those stages. 
That's my gripe. Should we choose who is best for us? Absolutely. I mean, we're citizens and we're, we're part of this environment. We have a right. But this over, like, you know, over excitement that creates fitna and then Muslims start attacking each other uh, and selling each other out. That, I mean, that's not good. On the balance sheet, that's bad. So that's, that's what I mean. We should not be involved in that fitna. Should we be involved in, in getting somebody elected that's going to uh, represent us? And, yeah, yeah, we should do that, but not me. I can't do that. You do that. But don't don't ask me to do that. And if I do that, then know something is going wrong with me. Remember the Sunnah of George Marshall. I told you guys about the Sunnah of George Marshall, right? Yeah, that's it's a good sunnah. It's a good sunnah. Allahumma salli afdala salatin ala as'adi makhukhatika sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa salim adada ma'amumatika wa midada kalimatika kullama dhakaraka thakiruna wa ghafala abdikrihi ghafirun اللهم صلي أفضل صلاة على أسعد مخلوقاتك سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم عدد معلوماتك ومداد كلماتك كلما ذكرك الذاكرون وغفل عن ذكره الغافلون or do the prayer times change? No, 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 no. The same. But next week it's going to change. Next week.